Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Support for MPB comes from Kyle Wynn & Associates, an elder law firm with offices in Ridgeland, Diamond Head, and Hernando, assisting clients throughout the state with estate planning, including trusts, avoidance of probate, and nursing home asset protection. Details at kyle-win.com. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a series of violent storms came through Mississippi this weekend. We'll have the latest on a tornado that claimed four lives. Plus, as women marched in solidarity with one another all over the world, we'll talk to some taking a stand in their own Gulf Coast communities. That's all coming up. Plus, a visit with our everyday tech team. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Four people are dead, more than 50 are injured, and hundreds of homes are damaged after a tornado struck South Mississippi early Saturday. Multiple roads remain closed due to debris and flooding. William Carey University is closed today as there is widespread damage on campus, including to dorms, the business office, fine arts center, and the library. Hattiesburg schools are not having classes, and Petal schools are closed today. Joining us now is Lee Smithson from the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, Executive Director. Good morning, Lee. Can you give us the status right now of what the situation is in Hattiesburg and the Petal area? Yeah, we uh, we uh, are, will complete our uh, damage assessments today, but uh, as of last night, uh, we are right at 958 homes uh, in Perry, Lamar, and uh, Forest Counties that have been impacted and right now our count is uh, right at 200 homes that were destroyed so significantly greater damage than the 2013 storm that went through uh, we are down to only one shelter open and that's the one in uh, the 361 shelter uh, in Hattiesburg so that's good news that people are, are moving out of the shelters we'll finish up our damage assessments today uh, FEMA damage assessment personnel will be uh, deploying from the Atlanta area to Mississippi today and start their joint damage assessments tomorrow. And that's just the the, the process that we go through uh, to request a federal disaster declaration. Are the majority of the 200 homes destroyed in Forest County? Yes, they are. The vast majority of them are. We do have um, homes that were destroyed uh, in other counties. Lamar County is reporting 30 homes damaged, uh, but no no storms, or I'm sorry, no homes that were destroyed. Uh, Lauderdale got hit by the late the, the, that last round of storm Saturday night with 12 homes damaged, and uh, Perry County is reporting 10 homes damaged, and we think one of those will probably be 
uh, one or two of those would be destroyed. Do you know the identity of the four people who lost their lives? Uh, those identities have been uh, made uh, public, uh, and, and Forest County has released uh, those names. I would prefer not to, just out of respect for the families who are uh, today having to plan funerals, I would just prefer uh, to respect the dignity and not, not give the names now. Mima did release uh, one of the facts that there were more than 50 people injured. Do you know if any or how many of those were serious injuries? We had a report that uh, that almost a dozen of those were serious injuries, to include one of the soccer players at William Carey College who lost three fingers uh, when a door slammed on her. She, that, that young lady uh, has been released from the hospital uh, to her parents who came and got her. Uh, I know that the governor's office made contact with the family yesterday, as did Mima. Uh, the mother of, of, the, of the young student uh, told uh, my, my folks that uh, as bad as three fingers were, it didn't. It paled in comparison to losing her life. So, uh, very, very brave young lady. And I do want to say, Karen, at this point, that uh, the faculty and staff and students at Will and Carey University um, were, were true heroes in this. Especially the the resident advisors who got the students up out of their rooms and into interior hallways. Uh, and I think the death toll would have been much higher if it hadn't been for the proactiveness. Of, of the faculty and staff at William Carey. And that ca- uh, campus certainly sustained a lot of damage. Is there still electricity out in any of the affected areas? Yeah, we're still uh, reporting almost 4,000 total um, uh, power outages, and that's with the Electric Power Associations uh, and with Mississippi Power. And now do bear in mind that uh, some of those power outages are a result of the homes that were actually destroyed, and some of them are still so severely damaged that even if the power lines are back up, we can't hook up to the meters until the homes have had enough repairs to get power back up. But we're still uh, we're still reporting, um, um, you know, almost 4,000 statewide. Are there still roads and highways closed? No, uh, just the secondary streets uh, have a lot of debris in the subdivisions, especially around William Carey. But all major uh, state federal roads uh, have been open, and they were open. Uh, by late Saturday, and most of the side roads are now open as well. This is Mississippi, so we know that people come to help others. Uh, the people with their chainsaws jumping into the pickup and heading down there. Is that, are you welcoming those types of people now who want to help? Well, we're all, we always welcome volunteers. We just don't want the spontaneous volunteers that just show up and find the first areas of damage um, and start working. We're trying to get that coordinated because. You know, we might have a lot of people who come down with hammers, but no nails. Um, so we're, we're trying to make sure that it's all as coordinated as possible. And we're asking uh, the, anyone who wants to volunteer to contact contact either the United Way of Southeast Mississippi or the uh, Pine Belt Community Foundation. And the Pine Belt Community Foundation is pinebeltfoundation.org. Go online, pull up the phone numbers, and call because they will get you to the people who need help the most and that's that's the biggest thing is we don't want to turn anyone away we just want to make sure that people are providing the assistance where it's most needed lee smithson is the executive director of the mississippi emergency management agency lee thank you so much certainly karen 
A rally and march in Gulfport attracted hundreds of people on Saturday afternoon, joining protesters around the world the day after the inauguration of President Donald Trump. As in other cities, the Gulfport march was striking in its size. MPB's Evelina Burnett spoke to several attendees, some of whom had to try to compete in volume with an exuberant crowd. I just wasn't happy with the outcome of the election and I I felt like I needed to do something but I didn't know what my immediate reaction should be and um, this just seemed like the best next step for me to come out and meet people who have the same kind of thoughts and beliefs as I do. And what does your sign say? It says, because at some point silence is betrayal, and then I have listed women's rights, black... Uh, I've listed women's rights, black lives matter, refugees are people too, immigrants make America great again, and love is love is love is love. And what do, what do you think now that you're here today and you see how many people are here? I was very happy to walk up and find out that the building was at capacity because that means there are more people than expected. So um, I think it's great that so many people have come out and I've met people who drove from Louisiana to get to get here today. And do you have any hopes about what this might lead to? Anything in, any, anything in particular? Um, I think it, I just hope that it begins a discussion and begins to let people know who I hope people who are kind of afraid to speak out before will see um, that that they're not the only ones that are unhappy and they'll, they'll see that there are other people that are unhappy too I think it is urgent today for people, not just women but for all of us to come together um, and support one another we need to, there's so many things wrong, and, and it just looks like it's getting worse with this new government we're implementing. And I think we need a voice. We need to be, we need to be loud. We need to be heard before, before we have no recourse at all. And what does your sign say? Why did you decide to write that? My sign says normalize equality. Again, with, with so much oppression of LGBTQ, um, women, minorities, it's... it's we're, we have to move beyond this. It's time to move beyond. And what did you think when you got here and saw the number of people here? I cried. I cried. It, it means so much to be a part of this. It means everything. What do you hope it might lead to, if anything? Well, if, if nothing else, to, to open up um, lines of communication so the people in power will see what the people actually need and want and that we are heard. We decided to come out because we want one day for when people say all lives matter for it to actually be true. So that's why we're here. I brought my daughter out here so that she can be out here and know that we fight for justice. And what did you think when you came here and and saw the crowd? Oh, this is amazing. And that's what I was telling my daughter. We have to march um, because we have to let other people know that you have to stand up for people's rights. And are you hoping that this might lead to anything? I'm hoping that it, it's going to at least lead to a little bit of kindness and a lot more love. There we heard from Kelly Morgan, who came all the way from Mobile, Alabama, to attend the Gulfport Rally. Before that, we heard from Jennifer Johnson of Ocean Springs and Heidi Shatton of Biloxi. The three spoke with MPB's Evelina Burnett. 
This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about online and internet privacy. Uh, who's watching what you're doing while surfing on the internet? Wilts and Jeremy, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. So is there a such thing as internet privacy? I mean, because pretty much everything is public. There's a conception of privacy, but anything that you put out there on the internet, you can expect to see it from some other source. And, and a lot of people, you know, they volunteer their information, like, you know, your your spouse's name on Facebook or, or even your maiden name on Facebook, which is, if you remember, one of those things that your card companies ask you for whenever you sign up for a credit card. They want your maiden name. And that information is out there publicly for most women. And something that I had brought up on my Facebook not too long ago and all these people who are answering all of these, let's get to know our friends. Well, if you really look at a lot of those get to know our friends questions, a lot of those questions coincide with security questions. And that's how a lot of these people are getting compromised because uh, people are getting their information and they're they're willingly putting it out there. There was a point on Facebook when you could put your email address out there. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting my Facebook account hacked um, because my email address was out there. And apparently they got to my personal information through my email address. And someone created another Facebook account with my name and sent me a message. So now um, that particular email address is not public. But I see so many things that are public. People's numbers, their addresses. And like Wilt said, we are voluntarily offering this information. And I wonder why that is. It doesn't seem like there is even... Even a public desire to even be private. It's just like, let's just share everything. It is kind of like a collective agreement, like, hey, let's just put it all out there. But another thing is, um, a lot of it comes like wolf in sheep's clothing, like those little games that you see on Facebook where it's like, oh, what kind of Harry Potter, uh, uh, what, what house would you belong to, or which of your friends would help you get away with a crime, or, you know, whatever it is. There's a bunch of just goofy little generators out there. But every time you use one of those, you're potentially passing your information over to a third party. So I'm curious about this idea of location, because it seems there's always this question when you go to a website, especially from your phone, this particular site wants to know your location. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a setting on most phones where you can turn your location on or off. Is there some benefit to revealing your location when you're on these websites? Convenience. For me, a lot of those, unless it's my uh, Google Maps, I don't really like to have my location services on. You know, I told people many, many moons ago, the camera app on your phone has location built into it, and, and it's a really neat little function. You can open up your pictures, and you can see where you were when you took them. Well, here's the downside of that. Somebody else can see where you were when you took them. If and you, do you really want people knowing? I mean, like, you know, with me, I have, you know, kids. I don't want people knowing where my kid's school is at. I don't want people knowing physically where we were at when we were on vacation and not near our home. I mean, it sounds almost, you know, I don't mean to make it sound tinfoil hat time here, but you really do have to think about what information you're putting out there. And location is a a big one. And I've seen these horror stories out there, ladies who have been through stalking problems. If somebody can get that information of where is your location, where are you commonly at, and at what time are you there, I mean, it really could cause some problems. And let's touch on how they do that. So let's say you have a website. Like Facebook, if you put a picture on Facebook, it strips this information from the picture. But if you have a website and you put it on there, no information has been stripped from the image, and they can get the image on their computer, and they can they can dig through the code in it and tell you exactly where that picture was taken in geographic coordinates. 
Last question is about cookies. So, for instance, I was looking for some furniture yesterday, mm -hmm. and now all I see are furniture ads on everything I'm on. So I'm like, who's watching me? You know, because it seems like every time you look for something that you may be shopping for, then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you are just overwhelmed with ads. Is that just a setting on the computer that you can turn off? Sort of. Okay. So we all sort of have uh, a unique ID that is sort of like our social security number, except it's used to profile us for ads. That number just has more information added to it every time you go to a website because they can track you. They can track you based on a lot of things. They can even use your battery life on your phone to find out unique individual users on a website. So they can track wow. you from site to site by tracking your battery life. Wow. Well, we will talk a little bit more about online surfing and privacy on Everyday Tech, the show. And you can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org before or during the show. For Wilt Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Sharita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. It's Super Bowl time, so let's talk football. Did you know that on a per capita basis, Mississippi has more players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame than any other state? It started with Bruiser Kennard from Peelahatchee and Ole Miss. Then there's Brookhaven's Lance Allworth, Yazoo City's Willie Brown, and Vicksburg's Billy Shaw. Three of our Hall of Famers went to Jackson State, Gulfport's Lynn Barney, Columbia's Walter Payton, and Jackson's Jackie Slater. And who could forget Jerry Rice from Crawford and Mississippi Valley State? And of course, Brett Favre from Kill and Southern Miss. And there are even three more Hall of Famers from out of state that played their college ball in Mississippi. Gene Hickerson at Ole Miss, Ray Guy at Southern Miss, and Deacon Jones at Valley. Yeah, I'd put that team up against anybody. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The brand new administration of President Donald Trump is already at work setting up shop, issuing executive orders, and scheduling meetings with world leaders. On Inauguration Day, correspondent Matt Laszlo sat down with Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker to ask about his hopes for the incoming administration. Even before the inauguration, Wicker talked about Republicans' plans for the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare. I think you'll see the mandates repealed. There won't be an employer mandate, and uh, there, there won't be an individual mandate. We want to expand access to health insurance and, and make it more market-oriented, allow people to purchase insurance across state lines and, and have enough choices to bring down the price. That's what we did under Medicare Part D back when... Uh, in the Bush administration, when I was a member of the House of Representatives, we, we didn't quite get the pay for uh, correct, but we did inject a lot of comp uh, competition into Medicare Part D, and it came in much less expensive than was projected because we had so many choices. And so I, I want us to have that level of, of insurance choices, and it may be that you want to buy 
a policy that's loaded down with options and pregnancy coverage and TMJ and, and uh, uh, dental and all, all that sort of stuff. It might be that, uh, that your next-door neighbor would like a basic stripped-down model um, that basically has a higher deductible and, uh, and, and saves him money on, uh, on the uh, premiums but, uh, but, but fulfills his or her need uh, based on choices. And I, so I think uh, that's what I'd like to, uh, to see us get to. But we're not going to throw anybody out on the curb. Uh, we're we're going to have a seamless transition. And I think what the president was saying, for those who need a premium subsidy to participate in this choice-based, market-based uh, 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 competition, then, then, then the government should be there. You mentioned rural broadband earlier. You know Mississippi better than me. There's a lot of impoverished uh, communities across the state. Do you think rural broadband is essential? And then also, what are some other components? To kind of I, I, was, I was very heartened in the confirmation hearing earlier this week of the um, designated uh, Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross, when I ask about uh, about infrastructure, we know that means highways, bridges, rail, things of that nature. And I ask him, did broad did broadband fit into his definition uh, of infrastructure? And he said it was an essential part of in- infrastructure. So I I believe that, and I think it's a key to uh, to to bringing about parity for uh, small-town America and rural America. And there are a lot of people on that commerce committee that are in the same situation we are, whether it's Nevada or or Hawaii, which is quite rural in some areas, or, or places uh, in the great heartland like Mississippi. And what do you want to see on tax reform? You hear the Democratic criticisms that this is only going to help the people at the top and that the wage gap. Well, that's nonsense. That's uh, uh, we, we need a 21st century tax plan that moves us away from 1986 and puts us more in line with the rest of the world. And, and that's key to getting the economy moving. And getting the economy moving is a key to providing uh, more and more jobs. You know, we you can look at the unemployment rate and statistically it looks fairly low. But that um, hides the fact that so many people have dropped out of the workforce. We really don't have the growth. We've never, ever once in the eight Obama years had an annual growth rate of 3%. And to me, that's a minimum. So the tax plan is, is absolutely essential to, to moving us ahead and also uh, another component of that is getting rid of, of this this huge scheme of federal regulations and executive overreach. Well-intentioned, but each and every one of them puts a burden on somebody that's got to choose between creating a job and spending money to comply with what Washington, D.C. is trying to tell them to do. So we're going to... Uh, I, I will be real disappointed if at the end of a couple of years we have not lifted the regulatory burden on people, particularly small business people, who would like to create jobs for Americans. So with the tax plan, 
and and with uh, a, a, a better working regulatory scheme, I think this economy can take off. Senator Roger Wicker with correspondent Matt Laszlo.